0: <generals make us alive> não,
1: <baby'- s bombing then> guess who's back, back, <laughs> back, back, back again Guess yes. Shady's back, back, back
2: Tell a friend, Fred. Fred.
1: Guess who's back, guess who's
0: back Guess
1: who's back, guess who's back Guess who's back,
2: guess who's back mean, Command- I can't go that low, dude <laughs> Command
0: zone's back Hey, 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 hey
2: did a. you miss us? Uh, I heard- hope so because now we've returned to you in video format for those of you watching on youtube
1: first time no wait not true
2: second time ever yeah because episode 100 which was only uh, like 11 episodes ago and i already forgot yeah but this time we have superior audio quality and the camera's not moving it's very locked off and stationary uh, so we have a sweet logo yeah there are logos behind this uh, if you guys did not know uh, if you haven't if you don't watch our video podcast we are doing our very first video podcast so josh and i are actually speaking into a camera right now as well as two microphones so if you guys want to check that out youtube.com slash the man's podcast i had to like not wear a hat today oh so your hair would look nice so that yeah well i decided i, I guess i could wear a hat you could but you could do whatever you want. It might block part of the logo though, yeah. if you weren't careful. No, we don't want to be blocking the logo. Oh No, of course not. Wait, did we introduce ourselves? No. Oh my gosh. Everything's gone awry. <laughs> Three weeks two weeks off has been too much. We just
1: can't we forgot how to do the show and there's a camera and it's distracting us.
2: Yeah. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Command Zone. My name is Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And uh, a lot of stuff has happened since we've been gone. Um, uh, thanks yeah. for bearing with us, everybody. A ton. Yeah, we're sorry. I know a lot of people were asking what happened to you guys. Are you still making the show? <laughs> yes, we are. I'm glad that some people Spoiler thought alert. that the sky fell down <laughs> in the two weeks. We've taken. I think we've taken the two week break before for Christmas and stuff. But uh, it's been a while. Yeah, usually people have stuff to do when we take breaks, like like Thanksgiving or whatever. So first cool thing that happened mm-hmm. is we news. have a sponsor. That's right. This show is officially sponsored. You're not going to hear any of those weird pre-roll, mid-roll, Jimmy Wong talking to you about stuff anymore because we're both going to talk to you about our brand new sponsor, and, and we're it's so a, excited.
1: Yeah, it's a great sponsor. Uh, it's one that we can really get behind. It's Card Kingdom. Card Kingdom. Woohoo! You've probably heard us talk about them before. We've mentioned them a few times. They uh, teamed up with us. A number of episodes back Mm -hmm. to sort of help out a listener that had had a bunch of cards stolen. Um, Card Kingdom is the premier spot to buy your cards online, especially, and my favorite thing about Card Kingdom, I say this every time we talk about them, they are super fast. Yeah, your order is out the door almost the same day. Yeah, I mean, I've literally had like, oh, we're going to play Thursday night. Yeah. And it's like Monday, and I'm like, I want these two cards because I, the deck last time I played it was not good and I need these two cards now and you order them and I've got them in time to play you know a couple nights later
2: that's pretty impressive yeah, which if
1: you order through other services, you don't know. Sometimes yeah.
2: sometimes it's like a week and a half, sometimes, you know. Sometimes it comes in eight different packages yeah. and then, you know, one it, every it's all packaged differently, quality-wise as well. Yeah, Card Kingdom is awesome. I order from them anytime I again want cards very quickly. I got an entire Popper deck in I think under like 2 days once.
1: Yeah, they're so fast. They usually ship it the same day. And now is a really good time to be buying singles actually. I think Eternal Masters singles, I think right now Probably are the best close time. to the lowest they're gonna be. yeah. in fact, I just ordered no joke a bunch of eternal masters uh, singles. I'll tell you what I got. I got some foil sneak attacks. ooh very nice. I saw the price was a little bit lower than I thought uh, that they would eventually end up. um some foil in tombs, which are a little bit low right now. great card yep. um and I got a couple a couple of the more headliners like uh, a force of will and because I just don't think those cars are getting any lower.
2: nope. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, if you guys go to cardkingdom.com, you can browse their entire store. Uh, singles ship for free for orders over twenty-five dollars and fifty dollars for Canada. Yeah. Um,
1: and we actually have a URL that you're supposed to use. They've given us a URL, and if you use this URL, it's great for the show because it it, it demonstrates to Card Kingdom that their sponsorship's working. And a lot of people always ask us like. Why don't you guys have a Patreon? What can I do to support the show? Well, this is now a really good way you can. You order your cards. You're going to order cards anyway. Card Kingdom's a great place to order them from. Uh, and you'll be supporting the show if you use this URL. So the URL is cardkingdom.com
2: slash command zone. Yep. Just click that. It'll uh, help us because they can track the metrics right away, also seeing who's coming from where, uh, whether or not they're coming f- thanks to our show. And that's going to help us a lot in the future because we'll they'll also be able to know who's buying what, and we can sort of tailor our stuff. Uh, to help, you know, maybe facilitate some giveaways.
1: Giveaway. Speaking of giveaway, I'm glad that was a really good segue. Thanks. And I just, you know, underlined it and made it, like, (laughs) way less uh, finesse. Anyway, yes, we're doing a very big giveaway with Card Kingdom. Card Kingdom, well, we wanted to say they're giving us the keys to the kingdom.
2: Yeah, sponsorship launch contest. This is awesome. We're giving away
1: two boxes worth of packs from Eternal Masters.
2: Ooh, that, that is close to $500 MSRP in terms of product we're giving away. It's our biggest giveaway we have ever done. So this is the sponsorship launch contest between Card Kingdom and Command Zone, the podcast. We are giving away two full boxes of Eternal Masters, the pack's worth. At least we're not just giving two boxes away. We're going to be giving away every single day on Twitter. All you have to do is follow us at Command Cast, and that's 48 packs. 48 packs of Eternal Masters, close to $500 MSRP. Um, This is a set built for Commander, so it's perfect that this set came out just in time for us to have the sponsorship with Card Kingdom. We're really, really excited about it. And if you want to win, you got to join Twitter. It takes two seconds. Everyone's done it. Every time
1: we ask people to join Twitter for one of our giveaways or or the GP to meet up with us or whatever it is, I understand there's a lot of people that are reticent. They say, I don't do the Twitter. I don't want to do Twitter. And I say this every time. Just join it for the length of the contest. Then you can delete your account or never look at it again. But this is just free stuff, and it's not like two packs of the normal set. This is Eternal Masters. These packs are expensive. They have things like Mana Crypt in them. You're going to want a
2: chance to win this stuff. Follow us on Twitter, at CommandCast. And we're going to detail all of the details about how to enter the contest, how you're going to win. Uh, unfortunately, this is limited to U.S. contestants only. For you international winners, if there is one of you, we'll find something to uh, to get to you. But otherwise, yes, please follow us on Twitter at CommandCast. And don't worry, guys. Card Kingdom is awesome. We're going to be doing tons and tons of more sweet giveaways in the future because this is the sponsor. This is the sponsor for us.
1: Yes, this is the uh, advantage of having a sponsor. Even though we gave away stuff before, but we can just do it more often now.
2: Yeah, perfect.
1: All right, speaking of... Card Kingdom, and what you can order there, do you know
2: that you can pre-order Eldritch Moon right now? That makes sense. Eldritch Moon is coming out. The hype is real. EMN, baby. Eldritch Moon coming out very soon. Boy, that
1: rhymed. (laughs) Um, And Jimmy. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. You've had a lot to do with uh, sort of the new sort of preview rollout strategy that Wizards is doing?
2: Yeah, I believe it's the first time they've ever done something like this. I was brought up to Seattle uh, back... Almost three or four months now uh, to film three episodes of a show called Access Magic. The second episode came out on Monday where I interviewed some people that were key to the design and development of the set and preview really cool cards every single time we do it. So uh, the first time I got to interview Mark Rosewater, we talked about what happened in Shadows Over Instrad into what the setting is for Eldritch Moon. And we previewed the brand new Emrakul. Emrakul. Very cool. Yeah, the big mama this herself. This was sweet. The card is Emrakul, the Promised End. It is a 13-cost mana creature for a 13-13 legendary creature, Eldrazi. Very triska Yeah, I was going to say, uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Emrakul, the Promised End, costs one less to cast for each card type among cards in your graveyard. So that's instant, sorcery, creature, enchantment, planeswalker, tribal, um, I land. believe. Land. And so essentially, if you have all seven of those in your graveyard, Emrakul actually costs six, which is pretty insane. Um, also a legendary creature, so it could be your commander. Yeah, 100%. When you cast Emrakul, you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn. After that turn, that player takes an extra turn, and it has flying, trample, and protection from instance.
1: Protection from instance. It's, I mean, it's awesome, but it's it just It is like, awesome. Well, okay, Let's let's break this down. Obviously, the cost reduction is really good. Yeah. And in our format, it's going to be a lot easier to get all the different types in there. Um, A lot of self-mill currently in standard as well. Correct. The next thing, though, is the crazy thing. And the thing that, oh boy. Because it's sort of an uncounterable Mindslaver effect. Yes. Because so it's, it's when cast. you cast. So even if you counter Emrakul, the cast
2: trigger would still happen. You'd still take control of target player's next turn. Which is pretty insane. the The interesting caveat here is that the player gets another turn after that turn. Correct. But usually one extra turn is enough by the point that you cast this. So let's say, I mean, if you're able to have, let's let's say reasonably like 9 to 10 mana to cast this, mm-hmm. which a lot of standard decks are doing to, to cast um, the big daddy, Ulamog, right now. Right. So when you do that, by that point, your opponent's probably going to have 2 to 4 cards in their hand. And if they're well, holding... It's, it's commander. They might have 27 cards true. in their hand. True. In, in commander, they'll definitely have a lot more. But when you cast this thing, you're going to be able to do hopefully a lot of damage with that player's turn they get an extra turn after that but usually you've made really ill-advised attacks you cast all their sorceries on their own things you've done instants on their own things and you've just basically wrecked their board if they have a sack outlet ooh, good game yeah if they have a sack outlet it's it's brutal it's brutal all around yeah
1: their turn that they're taking is not the equivalent of what their turn would have been had you not taken over the turn right yeah. before that because like jimmy said you get to wreck everything wreck their hand. Wreck their board with their own cards. Um, there are, of course, times when you, the Mindslaver effect, you take control of their turn and you can't do much just because mm-hmm. it just happens to be that the way that their board and their hand are set up is that there's not a lot you can do. You can sort of attack maybe... There's not really good blocks for anybody based on what they've got. Maybe they don't have anything in their hand that harm can harm themselves. Yeah. Uh, but but usually there's things you can do.
2: Yeah, and you're, of course, going to want to target someone that has the most ability to do something as well. You're not just going to throw it on, like, the red-white Boros player that has just swung out and has zero cards in their hand. It's like, right. all right, I know what's going to happen if I take their turn. I can see it on the board. I mean, you're almost always going to kill their best creature because you have a 13-13. Right. So you just attack into that. Mm-hmm. And, you can and if block they have protect. sorcery, like, speed removal, like Vindicate, they cannot use it on Emrakul. Uh, because right. Because you're just going to choose to place it somewhere else. Um, yeah. I mean, this card seems
1: pretty crazy, especially as a commander, because you can keep using that effect.
2: Yeah. Then you sac Emrakul and you do it again, or... You know, you bounce back to your hand and you do it again. Yeah, especially if you get the full cost reduction, which I think a lot of decks that play this as a commander are going to want to do.
1: Yeah, they're going to be trying to because basically every card type that you put in your graveyard is like ramping you. Yeah. So this feels very, very powerful. Um, It
2: feels like it's going to be a really good commander. At the very least, it's an Emrakul that we can now play in commander because the other one is banned. Correct. So we have that going for us. Oh, one thing to note, when you, it says you gain control of target opponent during that player's next turn, if it's your turn and the player you want to take control of is three people away from you, you have to wait all the turn cycles until it gets to their turn. So you don't immediately get that extra turn. So that may change the dynamic of what you want to do here because, you know, maybe they've got some, maybe they can do something in that time period that would make your mind sliver effect that much worse.
1: Yeah. Especially if they've got untapped mana. Yeah. And
2: so they might be able to just
1: fire off their instance, even if it's like not at the best targets, just so that you don't. Get to use them against them, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, certainly.
1: Um, yeah, it's cool. I'm not I've said this before on the cast. I this is probably the effect I like the least in Magic is mm-hmm. the take control of a player's turn. It's just just one player being pushed off where they're not playing doesn't doesn't feel the best to me. So I'm not But hey, they get an extra turn after that. Yeah. It's just <laughs> to me, I don't love that effect. I'll just say that. You yeah. Know? The the card design is cool, but uh, I just wish the Mind Slaver effect itself was not one I, I, that
2: happens in Magic in general.
1: Yeah, and so every time it gets printed again, and I know they've got precedent to keep doing it, it's just a little bit
2: like, ah, gosh, that that again, I don't love it. Right. I get what you mean. All right, so in the last episode of Access Magic, by the way, you guys can watch this uh, by going to the Wizards YouTube page. Uh, Josh and I have also tweeted about it. Uh, it's everywhere. You should have seen it by now. Um, if not, there's links, of course, everywhere. They previewed a brand new, two two new cards, and these cards are... Absolutely insane. We're going to be talking about them later on the episode. Actually, we're going to try and brew all about it. uh But before then, we actually have—gosh, this is a sweet episode, great one to come back on. We have our own preview card to give to you guys today as well. Jimmy,
1: you're like unveiling like half the set.
2: <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but it's I'm pretty ha- cool. I'm, I mean, I'm down it's for pretty it. Pretty sweet. Hey, you know, if it supports this podcast and gets us, you know, <laughs> out there a little more, then I am a hundred percent for it. So. Very yes. exciting. Well, it's really exciting. Our preview card has a lot of text on it. Yeah, it is it's a very strange card. I've never
1: seen a card like this before. Yeah, after we saw it and started I started to think about it, it's it's really interesting. It'll be interesting to see. We're at this period and it always is like this for preview cards where like the card's not out there, so you can't like type it into EDH rec and kind of see what other people have thought to use with the card. So right. it's like it's pretty cool. It kind of reminds me of the very early days of Magic where you didn't have any sort of databases or information and you just see a card and you'd be like well it's what you can think of to use with it um so this is the first time that you guys are going to get to see it and you're going to have that that moment it's only going to last a little while before everybody else starts throwing their ideas into the mix of like what comes to your mind the card is called soul separator soul separator and and the name
2: is perfect so i'm gonna let you go ahead and read it, jimmy okay cool it's a three drop artifact it's a rare uh, you can pay five mana and tap it to sacrifice Soul Separator. Exile target creature card from your graveyard. Put a token onto the battlefield that's a copy of that card, except it's a 1-1. One, one. It's a spirit in addition to its other types, and it has flying. Put a black zombie creature token onto the battlefield with power equal to that card's power and toughness equal to that card's toughness. So you activate the Soul Separator, targeting a creature card in your graveyard, and you get two cards out of it. One is a 1-1 spirit with flying, in addition to whatever creature types it is, and it's a complete copy of the text of the card, and then the other card is a black zombie creature token with power and toughness equal to the power and toughness of the original card. So, it, but it, the zombie does not have the text box or yeah. the creature type from that original creature. It's it separates the soul from, from the, the body. cards, yeah, which is really cool. And one is a spirit, and one's a zombie. Yep, it's really interesting to think about. So, let's just take a card for example.
1: Let's take a Prodigal Sorcerer, one of the show's favorite cards. Yep. So if that's in your graveyard and you soul separated it, what you would get is a 1-1 Flyer that taps to do one damage
2: and a 1-1 Zombie because Prodigal Sorcerer is a 1-1. Yep. If you did this to something like an Ulamog's Crusher, you would get a 1-1 Flying Spirit creature token with Annihilator on it, yep. and then you would also just get an 8-8, which is very strange. <laughs> <laughs> that you would have a flyer with annihilator i think that's hilarious like a one one spirit with annihilator two like yeah the one one spirit has like, somehow how is that thing annihilating anything and the rest of it is just an eight eight zombie otherwise so it would have to attack each turn if it's able to Yeah, the so one one flyer yeah the question that i'm really curious about is what creature cards are out there in the history of magic that have a detrimental effect uh, that's tied either to their text and it's linked to their power and toughness or vice versa Right, so that if you lose half of it, you actually want to, or you want to separate
1: those. Yeah, like, exactly. You want the power and toughness to be separated from the text box. Yeah, that's it's interesting, and there's probably some of those cards. Also, it's just a value card, mm-hmm. because you get a 1-1 flyer that has an ability, and if you have a bunch of... Let's say you had, I don't know, Endbringer. Endbringer's a 5-5, and it also has a bunch of tap abilities, and... The problem with a card like that is that if i if I use the tap ability, I can't attack with the five five. Mm-hmm. Now, Embringer untaps itself, so it's maybe not the best example. But you have to make those choices. So this could separate a card that is a good card, like Visara. Visara is in eternal masters, right. Uh, and it's a fly a big flyer, but it also taps to destroy a creature, which means most of the time I don't want to attack with it. I want to destroy a creature. but it's also a five five, which is pretty good. So if I soul separate it, now I can attack with the zombie five five. But I still
2: have this 1-1 one, one flyer that's sitting there that can use the ability. Yeah, really interesting. I, I think it's an awesome way to get – I mean, like, usually when you reanimate a card and, like, for, animate deads, a card in the EMA that we use a lot, if you just target that creature and you get rid of it, it's gone. But now you have two things on the battlefield that were that are lesser versions of the same card, but it, it, you're still getting two cards for one, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, the input cost is a little tough. It's eight mana total. Uh, yeah. Usually, you do it over two turns. But it's something you can play in turn three and just have sitting there for a long time and know at some point, you know, if, this, if you have a deck that wants to put things in the graveyard already, the Soul Separator could be an amazing card for that kind of deck.
1: I also think it's good in decks that are good at recurring artifacts mm-hmm. so that you can just keep using it. Because it exiles the card that it targets in your graveyard, the creature card. But it itself doesn't exile. You sacrifice the soul separator. So it's still
2: sitting in your graveyard. If you can bring it back out, use it again. Yeah. So much the better. So much the better. So please submit your ideas uh, to Command Cast on Twitter. I'd love to see some crazy creatures in Magic's history. Yeah, how do we break this card? Yeah. I want to break it wide open because this this screams like commander potential because we have access to all of these cards to use it on. I will break you. That's terrifying. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's move on to our main topic today, uh, which is the brand new preview cards that were shown on Monday on access magic. And a lot of people this saw the is art for crazy. this. Yeah. The art for this was running around. Um, and I remember uh, tweeting about it uh, being like, Holy crap. Look at this craziness knowing fully well in my head, what the what card was. Yeah. So um, we're going to be brewing Brazella. Brazella. Now,
1: the art, and I'm sure Terry's going to put it up right now, is this crazy tentacled, um, I don't know what's like a, what does that look like? It's a beastly meld of... Yeah, it's it's a meld. Well, that's a really good
2: word for it. Yeah. (laughs) It's a tentacle meld of, well, it's Bruna and Gisela. Yeah, so Bruna and Gisela are old commander favorites. These cards are both very powerful, and we've used them in commander for a very long time. However... In Eldritch Moon, these cards are now 100% mono-white, and they meld into some crazy craziness, which is it's really cool. It's the angels
1: being corrupted by Emrakul, yeah,
2: basically. So they start
1: out as angels, and Emrakul's gotten into their heads and melded them into this weird you know, combination of the two that's also evil
2: and scary. And uh, for the first time ever in standard legal sets we're going to have a card that's just like the big frame monster that turns into something even crazier. So let's read the text on these cards. Uh, Josh, you want to read Bruna first? Sure. Bruna, the Fading Light, 5-2 and two White, for a 5-7 with flying and vigilance,
1: legendary creature, Angel Horror. When you cast Bruna, the Fading Light, you may return target
2: uh, angel or human
1: creature from your graveyard to the
2: battlefield. Wow. So that's powerful by itself. That's like a karmic guide kind of effect but with just with no for, echo. No echo and just for angels and humans.
1: Uh very very strong. I mean it's cheating of mana cost. Now Bruno costs 7, but the thing that you get can be any mana cost. If it's sitting mm-hmm. in your Yeah, if it's sitting in your graveyard and it's an angel or a human, Bruna doesn't care anything else. Is it an angel
2: or a human? Okay, fine. Bring it to the battlefield. Yeah, and some very interesting text at the bottom of this card says "Meld with Gisela the Broken Blade." So Gisela, the Broken Blade, is a 2-white-white, 4-3-flying, white, first-strike-lifelink legendary creature, Angel Horror. Okay, you could just stop right four mana, there. 4-mana, 4-3-flying, first-strike-lifelink? That's insane by itself. That, that card is incredible. Um, and the rest of the text is even more interesting. At the beginning of your end step, if you both own and control Gisela, the Broken Blade, and a creature named Bruna, the Fading Light, exile them, then meld them into Brazella, Voice of Nightmare. So we've heard this meld
1: word a couple times, which is it's a new mechanic. Mm -hmm. And you referred to the big furry monster. If you're not familiar with the big furry monster, it was in one of the unsets, I think unglued. And it was two cards. So what happened is you would take one card and the other card and you put them together and they would actually form the picture of an entire card. And so on the flip side of Bruna is half of Brazella and on the flip side of Gisella is the other half of
2: Brazella. And so when they meld, you flip the two cards over and they combine to create... Brazella, Voice of Nightmares. And that is the art that was circulating around last week. This card looks absolutely insane. This... I mean, already, I was just in my head screaming Commander. I was like, oh my goodness, Commander.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, Commander.
2: Brazella, Voice of Nightmares, is a 910 legendary creature. Eldrazi, Angel. I don't think we've ever put those two words together. Flying, First Strike, Vigilance, Lifelink. Blah. And then the real kicker. Your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana costs three or less. Wow. That's like reverse um, Gaddock T, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Uh, it's also colorless on the other side. Yeah. And upon discovering what had become of her sisters, Sigarda could only weep tears of joy because this card is so cool. (laughs) Tears of joy.
1: I don't know. It's tears of scariness.
2: Yeah. I love the art on all of these as well. If you look closely on Gisela, she's got tentacles already coming out of her back and you can see Emrakul's tentacles coming through the sky and the same for Bruna. And so clearly they've been corrupted and they're turned into this ridiculous card. Brzele is extremely powerful because Think of what it means
1: that little part that says your opponents can't cast spells with converted mana cost three or less. Think of all the spells like Cyclonic Rift. Your opponents can't cast Cyclonic Rift.
2: Yeah. Think of all. Think the of
1: sp- all the counter spells. Almost all
2: of them are three or less. Heroes' Downfall. All your removal spells. Vindicates. Uh, swords Anguished of Plowshares, Swords. Path yeah. to Exile. Not to mention smaller creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, things like Signets.
1: There's a whole bunch of stuff that it just turns off.
2: Yeah. Um, interestingly enough. I mean, these cards, you know, they very much work with each other. If you play Gisella, and then if you play Bruna, uh, if Gisella somehow dies, you get Gisella back because it is an angel slash human. In this case, it's an angel horror. So these cards want to meld together, and it's great. You know, you have both of them, and then when they're melding, you turn them upside down, and it's like whoop! Ah. The sound effects are the best part. Yeah, for your video for the video list watchers, that's definitely for you guys. Um, very exciting though. So, um. Interesting. It's mono white. That changes things quite a bit.
1: Yeah, we were talking about, so we're going to talk about some ways we might build decks with Brazella in mind and you and I were chatting about it, getting ready for the show and you were saying how a lot of the cards you wanted were in other colors.
2: Yes, especially if it's stuff like, look, you want to have you know, th- my ideal thing is like, cool, toss Gisela in the graveyard, cast Bruna, you've got the combo going. You will yep. need to have two pieces surviving for an extra amount of time. You can do it right. all in one turn. So you want black so you can get tombs so you can get
1: Gisela into the graveyard. And then... You want green for creature tutors. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's funny because you're going in the direction that I would normally go in, right? Because I made the Marche- five-color Marchesa deck. Or, yeah. or the Nekazari. But then, of course, I came up with a bunch of ideas if you just put Bruna at the... At the helm. At the helm. And then, you know tried to make the deck work with Bruna as a commander. Because I do think Bruna is actually a fairly decent commander because that, that ability is so powerful. If you have a lot of humans yeah. and you have a lot of angels, then you're cheating stuff into play, and Bruna's pretty good even without the
2: Brazella thing. And then if you can pull off the Brazella thing, it's even better. Yeah, and mono-white is typically seen as one of the worst, if not the worst, mono-colored decks. So it's very interesting because it, you're already restricting yourself power-level-wise, but I'm really, really interested to see how this will work. Um, and how you would build this in a way that stays true to keeping one of these angels sort of as your commander. Um, And, of course, if you want to put in more colors and brew with that, you know, absolutely go for it. Cigarda, obviously, is mentioned on the flavor text of Brazella, so I think that would be a a fine commander as well. From a 4th house perspective? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I do think if you're adding more colors, then you definitely want green and you probably want black. Yep. And you probably don't need blue and
2: red. um, what What do you mean you don't need blue and red? I mean, you could do it, obviously... But why Wait, would
1: you, why do how we change bodies here? Why am I defending the not five color and you're talking about five color? Why
2: would you play a deck without blue and red though? <laughs> I'm so confused.
1: <laughs> Who are you? Yeah, what's how? going on here? <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about some of the cards. So, some things that immediately come to mind, right? If you're, I'm talking about if you're playing Bruna as the as the um, front man, the the lead singer, as it were, mm-hmm. and how you would try and pull off because you'd still honestly. I mean,
2: obviously, you would want to kill people by hitting them with Brizella As hard as you can. Yeah. Because it's a nine ten flying first strike vigilance lifelink. Lifelink, yeah. And And also, you get to just be like, Brizella. Yeah. Take it. about that. Now, the interesting question is, um, one, equipment's going to look very small on this card. (laughs) It's It's true, because it's going to be
1: twice two cards. (laughs) That's awesome.
2: Um, Also, how exactly... tapping it's going to be like... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's very intimidating. Well, you don't have to. It's Vigilant. Oh, good point. Yeah. So wizards uh, thought of that clearly. Uh, they didn't want uh, you to be tapping two cards. Down. Yeah. It's just music. <laughs> yeah. Um, the question is now: Does this count towards commander damage? Because technically, it's half of it is still your commander. I think it does. I think it does. Because too. I th- they
1: they recently, I guess not so recently now, they talked about the rules committee. I mean, talked about how commanderness was tied to the card itself. Mm-hmm. So we learned that even if it's manifested somehow. It would still do commander damage, even if, you know, you didn't even know it was the commander. Yeah. Quote unquote. And, and that led to a lot of issues. And part of the reason they sort of did away with Tuck was ostensibly sort of coming up with the official ruling for what commanderness is. So Brazella, if any part of it is your commander, which part of half of it is, and it does damage, then that would be commander damage, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would assume that as well um all right so if you have bruna as your commander then you obviously want to be able to find Gisela, and it's pretty challenging because
2: white's not great at that no i mean white can fetch stuff out uh specifically enchantments with something like enlightened tutor equipment uh yeah uh reforged auras they're pretty good at getting auras yeah so but creatures they're not good at it yeah unfortunately not but however there have been a lot of cards printed at uh at at Artifact. I was gonna say at, at rare. Yeah, at artifact that do this same thing. Right. And when I was building, they're my not mono... super
1: efficient, but they oh, do no. it.
2: Yeah. And I was building my mono red deck originally, and I was like, well, I really need to tutor some stuff out, but red only has gamble, so I looked to a lot of these cards as well. So a card like planar portal. Uh, and this is we're definitely getting into high mana costs here. It's a six-drop artifact that you can pay six mana to tap it and search your library for a card and put that card into your hand, then shuffle your library. So Demonic Tutor for 12 mana, essentially, and then six every single time after that. Um, It's not efficient. No. But it will allow you to go find Gisela. It gets the job done. Yeah, and there's going
1: to be other cards. I mean, just like any deck, you're going to want to have certain cards at certain times. Mm -hmm. And so Planar Portal does give you the leeway to go get you know the wrath of god if you need that right um ring of three wishes is another one it's five mana for an artifact it enters the battlefield with three wish counters on it make a wish and then you pay five and tap it and remove a wish counter from ring of three wishes and then you search your library for a card and put that card into your hand and then shuffle your library so it's basically playing your portal it costs one less To activate one less to cast, but you can only
2: do it three times. Whereas, Planar Portal, once you've got it out, you can do that as many times as you want. Yeah. Uh, I think that extra, I think shaving two mana off the cost is definitely worth it. Yeah. Um, I I don't think I would find in a game that many times I'm going to be searching more than three times, honestly. If you're trying to, I mean, if you find three cards out of your library, you should be in pretty good position. I
1: mean, have you ever demonic tutored three times in a game? Like, you don't usually generally need to do that. I wish I could. I mean, I wish I could do it every turn. Yeah. Actually, there's that card, the Wooburg thing. I forget what it's called. I have that in one of my decks that does Demonic Tutor every turn.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Usually, if you do that for three turns, you just win. Yeah. Well, in mono-white, though, you're definitely stretching to find answers. True. I mean, that's why you're going to be running Enlightened Tutor, which was just reprinted in Eternal Masters, which is a white mana one instant. Uh, search your library for an artifact or enchantment card. Reveal that card. To shelf your library, then put that card on top of it. So, technically, card disadvantage because you have to draw the card and you spent a card to get a card, so... Uh, interesting. But um, it can
1: get you the Ring of Three Wishes. It can get you the Planar Portal.
2: Yeah. Tutoring for more tutors, of course. Classic uh, classic EDH behavior.
1: There's also Skyship Weatherlight. So it's four mana for a legendary artifact. When it comes into play, search your library for any number of artifact and or creature cards and remove them from the game. Then shuffle your library. So you take... At the time you play it, you, you go through your deck and you find as many artifacts and creatures as you want and you sort of exile them off to the side. Uh, and then... You pay four, tap the Skyship, choose a card at random that was exiled with Skyship Weatherlight, put that card into its owner's hand. So you could only exile Mm Gisela, in which case you're guaranteed to
2: get it. Or you can exile a few things and then, you know, roll the dice. It's funny. We went from a six mana six activating cost to a five mana five activating cost to a four mana four activating cost. And it, it got more specific every single time. But Skyship def- will 100% get you the card you want if you have eight mana and you're only getting one thing with it. But now,
1: the, Yeah, the sort of risk is if you play it out on four and then exile Gisela and then somebody destroys your Skyship where they're
2: like, well, Gisela's in exile now. Yeah, she's gone. She's not your commander and she will not be returning to the command zone. So there is, you are taking on some risk by doing that.
1: Like you said, if you play it when, there's, when you have eight mana available, it's a lot um,
2: safer. Yeah. But at the same time, that's way later in the game. So, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I would love to use uh, the Skyship Weatherlight in any deck because I think that ability is awesome and hilarious. Plus, it's the
1: Skyship Weatherlight. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, just using it, you're like, I get to use it.
2: Yeah, definitely. You've also got Sentinel Flute, which is a 5-drop artifact. You can pay X to tap it. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less. Put it into your hand and shuffle your library. So Gisela, in this case, is a 4-drop. So this actually is a 5-mana for a 4-cost uh, tutor for a creature card. And this is actually great. I think Sentinel Flute is really awesome because you can find a lot of stuff with this. Um, especially, it's much more toolboxy for a cheaper cost. Because mm-hmm. you can do it for one, to get Mother of Runes out. You know, you can do... For two to get any you know any number of two drops out, so I like this a lot actually. Yeah, I think that's probably the best one of all of them. Yeah, and it, it's not as versatile
1: because you have to go get a creature card. So once you have Gisela, or if you don't need Gisela, it's not as good. But for Gisela specifically, it's it's great. Um, so we we're speaking about that problem of if Gisela gets exiled, it can sort of ruin your whole plan of Gisela ever becoming a thing and smashing Sadness. people in the face. So one card I would definitely think about including is pull from eternity. It's one white mana for an instant. It says put target, uh, put target face up exiled card into its owner's graveyard. So if any card's been exiled, you can actually bring it back into the game. It's going to go into the graveyard. But if you recall, being in the graveyard is great because Bruna, you just cast Bruna and it brings Zyla back
2: out of the graveyard into play. Yep. And uh, there's also, um, uh, of course, Karmic Guide does a similar thing of taking, it's, combos with pull from eternity uh karmic guide resurrection breath of life all of these cards grab a creature card out of your library uh, out of your graveyard and put it onto the battlefield which is great and karmic guides also an angel so Mm -hmm. you can sort of you
1: can you can string it you can chain it with bruna so you cast bruna bring karmic guide out then bring something else out and you just sort of get an extra card out of that also so much value with with karmic guide in play you could actually bring back creatures that weren't angels or humans Mm -hmm. because karmic guide goes to graveyard. Now, you play Bruna, bring Karmic Guide into play, then Karmic Gra- Guide can bring Sun Titan into play, or, you know,
2: Revelark, or uh, Elishnorn. Yeah. You know, some of these creatures that Bruna couldn't get. Out of control with that. Yeah. Um, so, another card I really like that you put on here is Faith's Reward. Uh, you have this in your Shadowborn Apostles deck, right? Yeah. Yeah, this card, when it works, it just blows people out.
1: People never see this card coming yeah. in. Yeah, yeah.
2: Three in a white instant, return to the battlefield all permanent cards in your graveyard that were put there from the battlefield this turn. So, if someone blows something like a Nevenreal's disc, if you even destroy your own Nev's disc, Faith's Reward brings all of those permanents back. Not just non land permanents, every single permanent that got in there. So, this is an awesome card for both. You can control the board with it when you can play this on yourself, and you can also save your board from it because when you get Brazella out, someone's probably going to want to be board wiping soon.
1: Yeah, which is a really, really scary thing because once you've done all the work of getting Brazella out and all they have to do is, like, one board wipe, but now all of a sudden, if you've got four mana, boom, they just come right back out. Uh, Like you said, it's also really good with board wipes, which you're going to play some because you're in white. Yep. Um Oh, yeah, the next thing I put down was uh, some protection. So it's it's basically, you know, if you're going to try and do the Brazella thing, it's basically a Voltron deck, right? Mm-hmm. So Voltron decks are trying to suit up one creature with a lot of stuff and just hit you with one
2: big creature. But Brazella's just got that additional step of you, also, you have to find Gisella first. Yeah, you have to wait to your end step to have it transform, and then you get to go to combat with it. So there's a lot of steps to get Brazella out there. So you're going to need some stuff like Darksteel
1: Plate— Uh, which will give the equipped creature indestructible. Um, Lightning Greaves, which gives it haste and gives it... um, Shroud. Shroud. Uh, Fire Shrieker is another one I put on there because you're going to be lucky if you hit somebody with Brazella, let's be honest. Yeah. So I don't want to have to hit them a bunch of times. I want it to
2: be like, and then I hit you. Yeah. You're gone. You're KO'd. Next person. You want cards like Spectre Ward uh, which you just toss on any creature gives it plus 2 plus 2 and protection from all colors. So this with Fire shrieker means that it's going to be an 11 12 and one hit kills anyone and it has protection from all colors. So it cannot <laughs> It's just really be hard to deal yeah, with. Very yeah. hard to block unless you have like a artifact flyer. Ornithopter gets around that. Man, mm-hmm. Ornithopter's so good. Wait, no. Not that good. <laughs> uh and then I was thinking like
1: you're going to want the deck to function while you're waiting to sort of figure out how you're going to get Gisela or hope you draw or whatever. And obviously, we're not going to talk about the ramp. You're going to use a lot of mana rocks because it's white. Mm-hmm. Card draw, we know that's a thing. You're going to use the Mind's Eye and the Artifact card draw and maybe even Mentor for the Meek and Bygone Bishops and whatever else you can figure out. But you're also, I think, at the base, this deck is a reanimation-style flicker deck. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to have cards that you want to reanimate and have some effect when they enter the battlefield and then you're also going to want to be able to flicker them and you've got things like Eldrazi Displacer Mm, Eldrazi Displacer with Bruna is really good because you flicker Bruna and bring something out of your um, graveyard Mm -hmm. so Eldrazi Displacer if we'll recall was the white Eldrazi from Battle for Zendikar that cost two and a white for a 3-3 it has Devoid you pay two and a diamond mana two and a colorless exile another target creature then return Uh, it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control.
2: So it can't flicker itself. But other
1: than that, it's kind of a dead eye navigator.
2: Yeah. Not to mention you can swing with Bruna and then do this because she has vigilance. So she won't be tapping, you know, and then, you know, swing it, bring her in back. You know, you don't need to do this in your first main phase. Um, You can protect her with it because, you know, if they go to pinpoint removal, flicker it out the
1: way, but also just get that trigger of returning something from the graveyard, a human or angel,
2: to the battlefield and that's mm-hmm. a
1: super powerful effect because that can give you ten mana worth of creature sometimes or, or yep. eight mana worth of creature.
2: Notably if you do this to brazella I believe it's gonna flicker both sides of her back to normal. Back to normal. Yeah. But then at the end step they should meld, right? Yeah, it's, it's only your end step though. Oh, so you have to interesting. wait for that. Yeah. So it's definitely very specific. Uh displacer can individually protect Gisella and Bruna, but once it becomes Brazella, it's a single creature. So flickering it once, I believe both those cards come back tapped under its owner's control. Now, if I'm wrong about this, who knows, but I'm pretty sure they come back untransformed. This
1: is another um, <laughs> another danger of speaking of a card before we're allowed to talk to judges about it, with especially a, a mechanic like Meld that we've never really seen before. So I'm not exactly 100% sure how that works. Yeah. But I, th- I think you're right. Yep.
2: All right. Uh, there's also cards like Ghostly Flicker. Again, the Flicker award is in there. Unfortunately, Ghostly the the- Flicker's blue. Ghost yeah. Away. Ghost My Away. Bad. Yeah. Ghost Away. I wrote way. it down wrong. Ghost Way, I find this card actually to be very powerful as well. Every time I see this get played, it always blows out someone. It's uh, two and a white for an instant. Remove each creature you control. Return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. Um, It's actually very similar to Eerie Interlude, which is a card that... Another um, card you could easily play. Yeah, it came out in Shadows of Innistrad. It's exile any number of target creatures you control and return those cards to the battlefield under their owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So it's a great way to save your cards. It's a great way to get under the battlefield effects again. Doing this with like Karmic Guide and Bruna means you're just pulling so many cards out of your graveyard back to the battlefield.
1: And there's cards like Avicen, The original Avacyn gives all your stuff indestructible, which is something you want to do in a Voltron deck because you want to be indestructible. There's all cards like... Oh, actually, the new Avicen would sort of work too. Uh, it's, it is white-red, though. Just until the end of turn. Oh, yeah, you're right. You can't do that. Yeah. It's white-red. It has the other
2: side. That's why Brazella's crazy, because the other side has no color. It is it's just colorless. pure colorless. Yeah, yeah. and they'll draw the Angel, my favorite
1: kind. And I was also thinking that you're going to want some self-mill, self-discard type stuff, mm-hmm. because you're in a sort of reanimator deck. Now you're in white, who's not the best at... White's okay at reanimating things. Not not the best, but okay. But they're not the best at like taking cards in their hand and putting them there in the graveyard mm-hmm. or milling themselves. I mean, you could go like Millstone or something. That's not very efficient. And it's just going to be like, you're going to have to get lucky. Yeah. But Grimoire of the Dead is a card I would think about playing. It's, uh, it's four mana for an artifact, legendary artifact. You pay one, tap the Grimoire, and discard a card. And then you put a study counter on it. Listen, there's more text on the card, and I will read it, but that's what you want to do. Yeah. You don't care about anything else. You just want to be like, because think about this. If I ramp a couple, and I can cast Bruna on, let's say, turn five or six, well, if I can just discard Avicen, the original Avicen, because not the red one. Or Gisela. Or Gisela, or shoot, any angel or human that's awesome, because, and you know they're going to be awesome because they're in your deck. Then I can play Bruna out and just also get, like, eight mana worth of free angel with it. Yeah, but I just had to figure out some way to get that angel to the
2: graveyard, you know, in beforehand. white notably. So yeah. are the facts are your friend here because you can't just entomb it and just be happy with it because you're mono white,
1: right? It will have to be in your hand. Yeah, but there are some cards. This is one of them. There are a few others that that allow you to discard a card. Yeah, uh, and you could
2: think about some self mill. I don't know. Maybe that is the right way to go. I'm not really sure yeah it's interesting i think you want a little mix of both of it i mean if you're going to do that then you're really going to want to focus on the white reanimator effects you're going to want to focus on cards that have flashback potentially or retrace any sort of that um and the other part of grimoire of the dead is you can tap it to remove three study counters from it and sack it and you put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control they're black zombies in addition to their other colors and types so a little out of flavor uh, considering they're zombies and not eldrazi but hey, that's actually a very powerful effect. It's a super powerful effect. So even later on in the game, you could maybe just get a huge army of zombies, stuff, yeah, and uh, run everybody over that way. Yeah, I like this card. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, I agree, though. I think you're going to want to have a, at least a little bit of self-mill slash discard in your uh, in your deck. And of course, ramp. you got to ramp in mono-white if you're going to play this deck successfully, because you need to have all the help you can get, honestly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you want the talisman, you want the worn power stones, you want the Thran dynamos, you want the gilded lotuses, you even want like the, what is it like the medallions or whatever they say like all white Pearl spells cost, yeah. cost one less and 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 that kind of stuff. White's just going to need it. They don't have rampant growths and you know they don't have manadorks and they don't have all this awesome stuff. And the problem with that and the scary part about that is that a Vandal blast or a Shatterstorm or a Destroy Art artifacts just like ruins your whole day. Yeah, that's why you need faith's reward you need that's why you need or something that gives all your stuff indestructible until end of turn or something yeah. that blinks all your stuff out or you just need to be prepared because there's probably going to be at some point somebody's going to vandal
2: blast and for everybody else that's like mildly annoying but for you it gives rid of half your mana yeah which is not a good not a good place to be not a good feeling yeah you're also going to play cards like land tax Knight of the white orchid just ways to get extra lands on the battlefield any way you can yep um yeah i put what really sucks for you is tuck slash bounce oh gosh because those are just two effects that whites just doesn't really have an answer to tuck is awful if you spent so much mana getting a creature into your hand and then playing it and they're like tuck it shuffle it oblation like
0: no No!
2: yeah that's and because Gisela is not your commander you can't just
1: put it in the command zone that's going to be a thing that's going to be really scary you're gonna want uh sack outlets to get around some of that stuff,
2: yeah. And sac outlets can also be mana generators. White is a token color, so that's a great way to ramp as well as an Ashnod's Altar and a bunch of one ones. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. So I think this I think this deck is can definitely be built. Um, I still might go the flavorful route and make the original uh, the new the new cigar to the commander of it. That's pretty cool. Uh, we'll see, but uh, but I do like the challenge of building a mono white deck here. Yeah, uh,
1: pretty interesting. So there was another card because. This meld thing, it gets me thinking, and this is... We're going to go into a portion of the show where Jimmy isn't allowed to talk a lot because he knows stuff. Zip. But Josh... And show no reaction, too, because we're on camera. Let's see how good your po- poker face is. It's pretty good.
2: <laughs> I'm just going to stare <laughs>
1: forward. It's pretty good. I'm going to try and do that, too.
2: All right. So... What are you theorizing,
1: Josh? Well, the meld... Mecha- it's, it's, it's hard not to talk like a robot when you're doing the face, right? Like... Like do what the are poker you face. theorizing,
0: Josh.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So there's there's been another card spoiled. It's called uh hand handweir handvir the writhing township. It's the backside of a meld card, I think. So there's been a, let me read the card. Okay. It's a legendary creature Eldrazi drone. It's a seven four with trample haste. It has no casting cost. It has the same uh Emrakul symbol in the top left corner that Brazella has. It says, whenever Hanvir the writh- rising, Ugh. whenever Hanver the Writhing Township attacks, put two 3-2 colorless Eldrazi horror creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So, it's a
2: 7-4 trample haste, and when it attacks, you get two 3-2s that are also attacking. And they don't go away, and the total damage is 13.
1: Wah-wah-wah.
2: So, it's like a super
1: crazy goblin rabble master on steroids. Yep. But this is the backside of—it's hard to tell. It's either the backside of a meld card, so it could be two cards that combine, or it's the backside of a, a werewolfy—it's not a werewolf, but, you know, just a regular flip card. A dual, double dual face, face card. dual face card, yeah. yeah. So— Who knows? I mean, this, that's my question. Like, is Brazella unique in that that's the only meld card? It seems weird, if that's the case, to give the mechanic a name. So it leads me to think like Hanveer, the writhing township is a meld card and maybe there's a couple more meld cards in the set. It feels like if they're going to go to all the trouble to design this meld mechanic and have cards that have half of a card on the back that come together, that they're going to do it a couple of times. Um, and the interesting thing about, about Hanveer
2: is it's a place, right? It's a town. You can talk about that. Yes. I mean, it's the Writhing Township,
1: right? And it's, it's mentioned
2: like, a lot in all, a lot of Shadows over Innistrad cards. That just
1: the yeah, Hanvar militia. Yeah, like they're from that place. So there's also been speculation that it could be like a couple of lands that turn into this, the Writhing Township, or like a land and something else. Maybe that's super interesting. Like that seems sweet. It's just the possibilities for the meld mechanic just like are kind of crazy. Also, it's legendary. The of uh, the Rising Township. Rising Township. I always want to say rising. Um, is the other side and and it's colorless, so we don't know. Is the other side legendary? Like, does how does the legendary work rule work? If one side was legendary but the other side wasn't, could I use it as my commander? Who knows? Well,
2: I, I don't. <laughs> That's not. No, you can talk about that. That's not part of the NDA. You don't know the answer either, though. But I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that if. If Hanweir was a double-faced card and the other side did not say legendary on it, I don't think you could play it because it would be similar to Westvale Abbey, which is not legendary on one side, but the creature on the other side is. Ormondall is legendary. But, but you, you can't, can't play Ormondall. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. So, Ormondall cannot be your commander. And Hanweir could, um, is a name of a full-on city. It, it is a unique place. So if the other side, if this is a double-faced card, I don't know if it's a meld card. or not. Like, who knows? Who right, knows? right. Uh, if it is a legendary on that side, then I, you could... What if 100%. it was a legendary land? Then you definitely can't... I mean, how are you supposed to... can have a land your as your command? command. It's yeah. not a creature, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's really interesting to sort of think about how this meld mechanic will work, how to work with our format, what other cards they could do. I mean, it could be two cards that are different colors, mm-hmm. in which case, what if they're... Oh, I don't even know. What? If, what? Okay, let's say... Who knows? It could be anything <laughs> let's say let's say that there's two legendary creatures that turn into Hanvir the Writhing Township, but one of them's green mm-hmm. and one of them's red.
2: but you can only have one of those be your commander. oh, then you cannot play. then you can't play it as your commander yeah, actually you because well, you could you just can never flip it over. yeah, you'd have to do what we were talking about, which is have a, a another colored commander that fits those colors and play those cards inside it. Now, what I'm really interested in, I wonder if they'll ever do this someday. Who knows? If they'll put... Who if knows? they'll make lands have a casting cost, like very special lands, like if Handware was a land that, you know... Because I see this all the time in games like um, Dominion. Uh, right. Like, like, oh, this township, you know, it has abilities. You're going to buy this township, and you're going to pay for it. It'd be interesting if there's a super-powered land that costs mana to play. It could be just too powerful, though, probably. Lands in general are too powerful, I think. Who knows? <laughs> who knows yeah so hammer the rising township i cannot wait to see this card i would love to play it in limited because it looks like a freaking beating like how do you beat this card i don't know i mean if it's two cards that got to come together to
1: make that card it's just gonna be very rare that in limited i hope they have it at common or uncommon so you have a chance Mm -hmm. to like do it in limited but again that might just be too broken It, this mechanic's crazy. It's just really hard to tell. Like, will people try to pull it off and construct it? Like, it's a combo, right? Mm-hmm.
2: I would love to see Brazella get pulled off and constructed. I think that would be an absolute blast. Yeah, it feels crazy. I mean, the four casting costs, Gisella, that's totally constructed playable. You 100% would play Gisella, and then you would play Avis in the next turn, and then you would have another. But Bruna's turn off. a seven cost. That's, yeah. That seems tough. I know, but you get a card back with it, so it's like playing two cards for one. You Problem know? is, it's almost worse because when you flip into Brazella, now one card kills both those cards true but it's brazella how are they gonna beat it it's brazella maybe you should just play Emrakul. Cool. who knows <laughs> who knows <laughs> um also worth mentioning and we're gonna have a set review for eldritch moon as well when the full set is spoiled but ulric of the Krallen horde oh, yeah. we finally have the legendary werewolf creature that people have been asking for for a billion sets i swear Oh, yeah. They were really complaining when it didn't exist
1: in uh, Shadows. Shadows. Over, yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have it now. Um, we'll talk about it in our set review a little
2: bit more probably. It's not – I don't think the Werewolf Commander everybody was hoping for, but it is a Werewolf Commander. Yeah. I mean, honestly, look, I mean, there will probably be more in the future. Hey, there may even be another one in the set itself. Who knows? Who knows? But um, Ulrich of the Crowling Horde is a great start at least to get a Werewolf Commander if you guys wanted to make Werewolf – Let's EDH let's read it really quick, because if you're watching the video, you're seeing it, but if you're wa- driving and listening, then we might as well read it. It's
1: three, a green, and a red for a legendary creature. Human werewolf, it's a four-four. Whenever this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into Ulric of the Crowlin Horde, target creature gets plus four, plus four until end of turn. And then at the beginning of each upkeep, the normal werewolf clause, if no spells were cast last turn, transform
2: Ulrich into... Go ahead... Ulric Uncontested Alpha. It's a 6-6 legendary creature, werewolf, no longer a human. Whenever this creature transforms into Ulrich Uncontested Alpha, you may have it fight, target non-werewolf creature you don't control. And the other standard werewolf clause at the beginning of each upkeep, if a player casts two or more spells last turn, transform Ulric Uncontested Alpha. So... I actually think this is more powerful than people give it credit for because this is going to be transforming back and forth in an EDH game a bunch. There are going to be a lot of times when someone's playing a Mizzix deck and we'll just go past turn, transform into Ulrich, murder something.
1: Yeah, because it just anything with le- with uh, less than six toughness, it just kills. Mm-hmm. And then it also is a giant growth when you play it. Yeah, think it-
2: of it in like a Xenogod deck because oh it can goodness, give yeah. itself. The plus four plus four. It can give any it can give anything yeah. on the board. So if it's someone else's turn and it transforms and it's like, hey, you want one you want want your guys to be plus four, plus four? Yeah, here you go. Here you go. But it can give it to itself. So mm-hmm. it's an eight
1: eight for five mana that Xenaghost then doubles its uh power yeah. and toughness and gives it haste, right? So it's it's pretty or if you already had a creature, it just gives that plus four plus four and then you're off. Um yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think people were disappointed that it, there's no text on Ulrich that says, like, all your werewolves get plus one, plus one. Right. or a lord. Or your werewolves can't turn back to their human side. or mm-hmm. that's, I think those are the types of effects people were hoping for because werewolves are really tough in Commander because it's so easy to flip them, because people have so many more cards, and the games go so late that you know, if I want to play two spells, I usually can. Mm-hmm. Whereas in normal constructed formats, it's, and, and it's, and because there's so many players, they can collude to control your werewolf. Yeah. Whereas in one-on-one, it's a lot harder
2: to do that because it's just do, can I play two spells? I can't ask my other opponent of that guy to help me out. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I personally like this a lot. I just think because it hasn't entered the battlefield ability when it flips both ways, uh, that's going to be fun just because it's a lot more interactivity. Um, so it's definitely cool. Yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, All right, time for to the listeners.
1: Actually, I want to add to this one too. So, to the listeners, what we have written down is: what are your cool ideas for Brazella, Voice of Nightmares? So we want to hear because again, we ha- when we're recording this, um, we haven't heard, we don't have EDH Rec or whatever mm-hmm. available to us. Um,
2: but also, Soul Separator. Yes, I really want to know how to break that card. Um, I am very I. I I want someone with better skills at Search and Gatherer and Magic MagicCards.info or whatever and tell me what cards just get nuts with Soul Separator. Yeah,
1: Soul Separator is really... A, it's its interesting. It's crazy. I don't think we've seen this exact effect before. So how do we take advantage of
2: that? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, one more time before we head up to the end step. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor for the show, Card Kingdom. I'm so incredibly excited because we get... Two heavy keys of the kingdom launch contest. We're giving forty eight packs of Eternal Masters away. And Card Kingdom is just straight up a quality website as well as a quality store. If you're in Seattle, you have to go to Card Kingdom. Oh yeah.
1: I've never been, but you've you've actually been and you've shown me pictures of it and people talk about it all the time. I know, you know, guys like Marshall and
2: and whatnot have and Kenji, you know, have been there a lot. And to me it's the undisputed best card store. It looks gorgeous from the the yeah. It's incredible. In America, Hardwood wow. floors. It's got this incredible ambience to it. Isn't and there like a
1: whole cafe bar? Yeah, there's a
2: place called Cafe Mox for all you Magic players attached to the main location. And they just opened up another one in Bellevue, so across the water. Um, yeah, it's great. They have It's so well organized. You can rent board games out for free. They have areas for Warhammer, for tabletop, for card games and everything. And upstairs is where they do all their shipping and stuff for their cards. So
1: Pretty sweet. Make sure you use the URL cardkingdom.com slash commandzone. Mm-hmm. And let them know that we're the ones
2: that sent you, and that'll support the cast. And make um, sure to follow us at Command Cast on Twitter if you want to win one of or more of 48 packs of Eternal Masters. It's going to be more. It's we're going to give away more than one at once. So if you win, you will get quite a
1: bit of value. You will want to be entered in that contest. Go to Twitter. We're Command Cast. Hit that follow button. Again, after a couple weeks from now, you never have to look at it again. But just give yourself a chance to win all kinds of free... Term- There's crypts. There's Foil
2: crypts. Foil Manicryps. Foil,
1: foil Force of Wills. They're like $500 or something. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. Uh, very exciting.
2: Um, hope to open one someday.
1: Oh, before we go into the end step, one other thing that I wanted to mention was uh, friends of the show and listeners, Kenny and Tim, have started a new podcast. It's called uh, Flavor Fail. You can find them also
2: on Twitter, at Flavor Fail. And it's a Vorthos podcast. Very exciting. Haven't not seen much Vorthos content out there in general, so I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool. They've got, I think, three episodes out now, and they're short. They're about a half hour. And they sort of do a quick recap about what the story is that's going on with Magic, which I find awesome because I just don't always have time to keep up with all the articles and read them and whatnot. And it's easier for me while I'm in the car to just hear Kenny and Tim mm-hmm. explain to me like all the stuff that's happened, um, up till now. And they also have some cool speculative, you know, thoughts about what's going on, you know, like I, they're not the only ones, but they, they were pretty sure it was cool that was coming and, yeah. and, and they get to do stuff like that. So it's pretty, it makes it a lot, Less impact to follow along with the story if uh, if you check out podcasts like this. So
2: go find Flavor Fail and uh, check them out. It's a good name. All right, moving on to the end sub where we usually talk about something outside the world of magic, but we've been gone for two weeks, so we're just going to keep talking about Magic the Gathering. I mean, it is
1: really two weeks and nothing else has happened except for magic stuff. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, we had Grand Prix Eternal Masters, oh, GPEMA. Awesome. Uh, we took a small trip to Las Vegas, me, Josh, and six of our fellow friends, Uh, from out of state as well. Kenji was there. Yeah, Kenji and our friends up from San Francisco. So we tried to get as big of an... uh, Brian Tran actually organized the whole thing. He was like, hey, guys, I really want to do this. I've been trying to do this for a long time. Uh, Let's try and get it together. So with a little bit of help, we managed to get eight of us into a hotel room at the Plaza, actually. If you guys went to GP Vegas, that's where we had our giant commander meetup, one of the best times of my life. Yeah, that was awesome. And because we knew the
1: people at the Plaza, we went back... And uh, they set us up with a suite. We had a big table. We had about three cases of Eternal Masters product. Yeah, it was crazy. And uh, we got through as many drafts as we could with the eight people. Actually, uh, we technically had nine because Marshall came in for a
2: little bit. Yep. So, and he did one draft with us. Um, Man, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was really great to just play a lot of Eternal Masters. And we all had bought a box. So the whole thing was like, look, we all have bought a box. We're going to draft it and not rare draft it. That way we can have a pure drafting experience. And every time we would be like, all right, cool, today we're cracking Josh's box. So we'd all open it and be like, oh, cool, Josh, you got this. And then we would draft it like normal, not just taking the money card so that we actually had decks. It made it like a phantom draft. Yeah, like a phantom draft, which is really, really sweet. And I think it made it much more worth it because uh, I've done a couple of drafts of VMA outside of it. And up to like five of my picks just don't go in my deck because I'm like, oh, I just want this card. Yeah, I mean, realistically, I think that's okay because you're never really going to draft Eternal Masters
1: without worrying about what the money cards are unless mm-hmm. you did it the way we did. But also, like, we all wanted to open a box, right? Yep. Like, that's one of the fun things about Magic is cracking packs, but it's expensive for Eternal Masters, and a great way to get additional value out of it is you get an entire draft, and then just at the end, everybody just gives you those cards because that's your box. And this allowed us to do that for every person. So we actually got through all eight boxes. Yep. Uh, for each person, and each person got to, you know, open better cards than I did. Very exciting. So,
2: Josh hasn't had the best luck personally open boxes, but but when my girlfriend opens them, we're good. Yeah, you've so. had you've had a good streak, good hot streak <laughs> of cards. Uh, but yeah, I would
1: I would say I would encourage you to with your friends, and not for Eternal Masters only. Any set, you know, and we've started doing this for almost every set when it comes out now, mm-hmm. which is just you know that first weekend just getting a bunch of the, our play group, eight guys, uh, and then. Just spending, you know, a good chunk of the day or the whole day just drafting that set right when it comes out. And we actually only play two matches rather than three just so we can get more drafts in. It's super, super fun. You
2: learn a lot about the format like really fast. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it's a great way for me. I always will end up buying a box or, you know, the last couple of sets I've missed out on it because we have I, have, I haven't been there for this this kind of event. But I totally would otherwise. Well, also it was in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, we spent some time. Doing other Vegas-y things. Everybody made money at the crafts table. That was another awesome thing. That was beyond awesome. That actually statistically should not have happened, but it did. All the
1: rooms got comped. I mean, I'm just bragging now, but it was a great weekend.
2: They attributed that to me for some reason. I don't know why. Because you were going crazy. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) We won't talk about that because we have children listening. That's right. (laughs) Vegas. Uh, What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because all we did was sit by the pool and drink Coca-Cola. Yeah. Like responsible adults. Who knows? Who knows? All right, on to the cleanup step. Our sister podcast is The Masters of Modern. I already see Josh's face going, "Oh no, Jimmy started the cleanup step." He That's stole right, guys. It from me. You can check them out at the MM Cast. Alex and Ben, they've been doing an awesome job with the podcast. They keep bringing on amazing guests. Uh, they had a very controversial episode talking about whether or not they should ban Blood Moon.
1: Ban Blood Moon.
2: And Josh hasn't even played. Ban it. What well, you're
1: talking about? Actually, Commander, right? somebody brought up a really good point on Twitter because I was voicing support for the banning of Blood Moon in Modern. And somebody's like, "Well, if they ban it in Modern, the pli- price is going to drop, and then everybody in Commander will be able." to... And Ooh. I was like, "Oh, never mind. Never Keep mind. Keep it legal Keep and it Modern. Legal. Keep it legal and don't and just stop reprinting it so the price is high enough that Commander players don't want to play." You're such a flip flopper, Josh. Yeah, I am. I so really easy. Am. I really Too easy. <laughs> I was born for politics. <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, so make sure you guys check them out. They are a sister podcast. They talk about modern. If you guys are interested in that format or just about learning how to play more competitively in general, they have awesome, awesome shows. So check <clears throat> check them out, rocketjump.com slash the cast or at the cast on Twitter.
1: Our editor is Terry Robertson. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer for the Living Cards animations. If you're watching this video, you're seeing our faces. You also saw the awesome Soul Ring animation that Jeffrey did specifically for our show. He's great. He's everywhere. Check him out at Living Cards MTG. And
2: kudos for Terry for editing the first ever video podcast of us. I'm assuming it went off without a hitch. Without a single hitch. With no hitches. Congratulations. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace.